Amen. Great thing to build your life on. It's the only thing that's going to last. I want you to take your Bibles if you've got them. And uh, surely you got them because I know you don't trust me to tell you the truth if you don't see it. Just turn to Luke chapter 11 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 11. Tonight we want to talk about the Father's will. The will of the Father. But I, I don't want to just talk about the will of God for humanity. I want to talk about His will for your personal life. Charles Stanley after 50 years in the ministry, said this. He said, in 50 years, the most oft-asked question, the number one question I've been asked for 50 years is, how do I find the will of God for my life? He said, it's the number one question I've been asked all the ministry in all my life. So we'll talk about that tonight. <clears throat> I want you to do the will of God. I want you to find the will of God, not because it's the right thing to do. That's a wrong approach. But because you will miss out on so much if you miss his best for you. I want you, and I just want to teach from that tonight in scripture. I want you to see in the word that he has a personal plan for you and you got to hit it guys. You have got, it's not enough just to get into heaven. You got to be on the right road on the way to heaven. I want you to find his best for your life. I want you to look with me at a scripture concerning this in Luke chapter 11. And uh, this scripture has always been dear to me where um, verse chapter 11, verse one, Jesus was praying in a certain place he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Don't you find that strange? You don't think they knew how to pray? These were Jewish boys who were taught to pray since they were children. Why'd they say to Jesus, you teach us how to pray? Obviously he prayed different than they did. And then here's one of the greatest verses in the Bible, verse two, where he said to them, so he said to them, when you pray, say this. All right, question. Did he say that to them or did he say that to you and me? It was the Bible, it was the Word of God. And this is one of the great treasures of your life. This is, this is though Jesus Christ Himself came right to you and said, when you pray, say this. Yeah. Do, ask, in other words, ask me for this. Talk to me like this. And I want you to see the first thing He said we'd do. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now watch this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He said, I want you to pray and ask the Father for His will to be done. Obviously where? On earth, but where? In my life. God, I want your will to be done in my life. Obviously, there's only, there is a requirement for the will of the Father to be done in your life. What is that? You've got to give up your will. Because yeah. remember Jesus, what was the great prayer in the garden? Not my will, not what I want, but what you want. And there's the sticking point right there. There's where we get in trouble. And the human soul by nature loves God. You can love God. You can want to go to heaven. But I'm convinced the hardest thing you will ever do is give your will up. You, to give your way up, good way, but it's still your way. And to make this great exchange and say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but now I want what you want on the earth. I want your will. Hardest thing you'll ever do. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, I, I don't know many preachers or Christians who are having the will of God done in their lives completely. And we're missing so much. We're missing so much. So we're gonna talk tonight about his will be done. Let me show you a parallel verse. Turn one page. Luke chapter 12. See if you've ever heard of this before. Verse 31. Luke 12, 31 says this. Seek ye first. Make the priority of your life the kingdom of God. All the other stuff be taken care of. Your bills be paid. Everything be taken care of. Make the priority of your life the kingdom of God. Now I want to ask you a question. What's the difference between the will of God and the kingdom of God? Nothing. The kingdom of God is not church work. Oh my goodness. Not even close. 
The kingdom of God is when the will of God is being done in the earth. It's, it's when the plans of God are coming to pass in everything. What do you tell me to do with my life? You make the priority of your life that God's plans unfold in your life. That his will be done in your, in your right now life. Not heaven, your right now life. And uh, seek this. I want to take a minute and give you some biblical truths about the will of God. Because dear ones, there are so many myths out there. I was talking to a fellow just earlier a little while ago. And I was, I was not told the truth as a young man. Even when I was saved, I was in church. I was told you do the will of God because it's the right thing to do. He'll burn your barley fields. Does anybody remember that? Burn your barley fields. God will burn your stuff down if you don't do what he says. I, I don't help me here, dear ones. I don't see that in there. And it was something you had to do. Oh my God, have mercy. He who created the sunset don't do stuff like that. And, and it was I, was, I was a preacher for years till I found out have to do the will of God. I ache for the will of God. Yeah. I get his best. If, there was, if you have to do it, it's not his will. If, if you don't jump at the chance to give up everything you've got, it can't be his will. Right. And I want to show you that in scripture tonight. So many crazy myths. Let me, all right, let's just, let's start from the beginning. We won't look. Let me start from the beginning. God creates the heavens and the earth. Beautiful earth. Can we get a witness? Beautiful earth. Puts man and woman in there. Perfect relationship. Says, enjoy it. Show me what you can do. That's the will of God. Who would not like to live in a beautiful garden with a naked woman all the time? And all you have to do is just enjoy it and be fruitful. What is, what do we not like about the will of God? You say, you shouldn't say that. You need to get to know the God of the Bible. He is good. I mean, you're not going to top Genesis 1. Genesis 3 got a little rough, but you're not going to top 1 and 2. The Bible's where you find the will of God. Here's the point. It's good. Good to me. Listen to this. The Lord make you miserable doing His will. Show me that. How about this? The Lord bless you. Yes. Keep you. Yes. Show you favor. Make his face shine on you. Be good to you. Give you peace. There's the will of God. Yeah. The will of God is good. Um, here's a great revelation. We won't look at it, but one of the greatest revelations of my life came up several years back. Luke chapter 15, the story of the, we call it the story of the prodigal son. Really, it's the parable of the idiot brother, but nobody's got the nerve to call it that. But you had a father in there. Do you remember the father? Yeah. And you had three boys in there. Y'all in agreement with me? I thought if a man came to God, he was a new creature. So we got three boys in there. You got one boy who does exactly what he feels like doing. I ain't living under nobody's rules. I go live like I want to live. And that's living my way. And dear ones, if you choose, if you're going to have your way, good person, but your way, you'll be disappointed. You'll be dis just like that guy was. He was disappointed. It started out great, but he's disappointed. Who's the second guy you got in there? You got the preacher. Don't you know Jesus was talking to preachers? The elder brother is a picture of religious people. And he was as religious as religious could be, kept all the rules, served God. And he was bitter and disillusioned. If you go for if you live under religion, you're going to be a good person, but you're going to be disillusioned. Who's the third boy in that picture? He's the first one who changed his heart and said, what do you say to the father? Not I want to go to heaven. He said, not my will, but yours be done from now on. We tried it my way. I have sinned. I come back under your authority. And what was his life like after that? His life was a delight. If you do what you want to do, even if it's good, you can, it'll be, you'll be disappointed. Because I'm going to show you why. It's right here. 
If you're born again, you can't do what you want to do and be happy right here because I delight to do the will of God in my heart. It's written in there. If you become religious, you're going to be miserable and you're going to make me miserable. Just like that elder brother. But if you will hum honestly say to the father, I'm back, I'm under your authority, your will be done. He will shock you and you'll say, I had no idea he'd be this good to me. That's the will of God for my life and finding those plans that we see in scripture. Uh, the great scriptures of 2 Samuel chapter 9 where he went and got Mephibosheth, brought him to him and said, I brought you here to make you rich and give you things and let you dine at my table. These are all pictures of finding the perfect will of God, Matthew 20, where the guy worked one hour and got paid 12 hours wages. What do you think that's about? You all gonna go get a job in a vineyard? That's about the goodness of God that people that would, what is the only thing that guy had to do to be given 12 times what he was worth? He just had to agree to go to work for the man. Just have to agree to do his will and, and do his will and live by it. I don't wanna show you the great verses concerning the will of God in my personal life. In Matthew chapter 13, if there's ever been a boogered up scripture, y'all know what boogered up means? Improperly handled scripture, this is it. And uh, I've, heard this, I've heard this messed up as much as any scripture in the Bible. But this is a picture of finding the, God's best, his will in your life. And there, there are two little tiny parables, just one, one's one sentence, one's one verse, one's two verses. But these are the greatest treasures, and this is not about being saved. This is about me finding that place in my life where I really abandon all to say, whatever you want to do with me, here I am. Matthew 13, I, I, I love these scriptures. I meditate them a lot. Matthew 13, 44 says this. Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like, just pause right there. When you find yourself in the center of God's will, not a child of his, not saved, but in the center of his will and the kingdom comes in your life. This is what it's like. <clears throat> it's like a, a miserable duty. Is that what it says? It's treasure and it's hidden. His will is hidden until you get ready to do it. Hidden in a field which a man found. He found the plan of God for his life and he hid. And for what? What's the word? How many of you do everything you do because of joy? What is the chief, what is the number one motivator if you ever find God's will? I do this because I enjoy it. Yes. Yes. It's not about having to. I enjoy this. Why? And look what he does. For joy, he goes and sells all he has and does what? What's the word? You got to pay for this. Now I've had preachers preach this and they're just talking about your salvation. Can I ask you a question? Did you pay for your salvation? You had to buy your salvation? Do you salvation's free? By grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. This is not talking about salvation. Can't be. You didn't buy salvation. Well, if it's not talking about getting saved, what's it about? This has nothing to do with salvation. This is when the kingdom rules in your life. This is when God rules in your life and he runs your whole life. You say, well, I, I don't know if I love God. I don't mind going to heaven, but to do everything he says, let him pick everything. Let's read this. He said, when God starts running your life, it's going to be treasure to you. Yeah. Treasure. And it's going to be such a joy that you'll do what? What does it mean? Sell everything you got. You'll give up every right to make any decision in your life. You'll give up everything you've got. You said, give up everything. Uh, notice the word treasure. What, all right, there's my question. I know preachers don't like this, but here it is. Why should you give up every right to run your life and abandon your life and let him run everything? Why should you do it? Because you trade up. That's 
if it weren't worth more than what I've got, I wouldn't give up everything I've got to get what he's offering. It's not that I'm supposed to, I get to. Yeah. I mean, you know a man will gladly sell everything he's got if there's something more valuable than what he's got. Right. The kingdom of God is when you find, that's hidden. It's hidden from most preachers I know. But if you ever find his heart and find his best plan for you, you'll say, I'll give up everything I've got to get that. Mm. I'll do it for the joy of having this treasure. Yes. Doesn't this stand a lot of teaching on its head when you see this? Right, he says the same thing again in another parable, next verse, where he says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Isn't that all of us? Aren't we all looking for something? Doesn't everybody do, aren't we all seeking something? Isn't everybody, just ask people. I, I remember I was so stunned by a survey of graduating seniors in college and it asked them, now that you're graduating, what do you want out of life? 60 plus percent said the same thing. I thought it had been a uh, money or good happiness. What, what's this thing that everybody's looking for happiness? This land was founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit of, pursuit of happiness. Let me tell you what this thing about everybody wanting to find happiness is. Guess who put it in there? Guess who put this longing to find true happiness? Maybe that's not the words right. Happiness, contentment, purpose. But then the kingdom of God is like a bunch of people looking for something. Everybody is looking. Why can't we just go home, sit down, and eat, and be quiet? Why can't we do like my horses, just get up, walk out, eat, go back in, behave? They don't have to have a new nothing. They've been eating the same grass for all these what is it in the heart of human beings that wants more? We're looking for something. Looking, and listen to me, beautiful. Nobody's looking for junk. Everybody's looking for something better, beautiful. The kingdom of heaven, let's read it, is like a man looking for beautiful pearls and he finds one pearl that is so valuable to him, he'll sell everything he's got and go after it. Apparently what he found was valuable, wasn't it? Friend, this can't be talking about your salvation. This is talking about, I have found God's best plan for my life and it is so valuable to me that I'll give up my job. That's, that's not that big a deal. I'll give up where I live. That's not that big a deal. I'll give up my cussing. That's no big deal at all. But I'll give up the hardest thing I'll ever give up. And that is my right to make decisions. Hardest thing you'll ever surrender is your right to make decisions. And I'll even give that up if I get that right there. What does the Bible say right here? If you ever found God's, what he's got behind door number three for you, you would gladly give up the right to make any, you'd give up everything to say it's worth it to me. There was the, the God's best for your life is the pearl of great price. It's not heaven. You can, be, you can fight God all the time, go to heaven as long as you're saved. But, but this is better on this earth. It, it's about finding his best in the earth. This is the great picture of the treasure. Let me tell you something. What God has planned for you is the pearl that your heart's always looking for. What God, has, what the Father has laid out for you is what your heart longs for. Uh, it's just, but religion's taught us a bunch, filled our heads with garbage that, well, you know, I'd like to do this, but I guess I'll, you know, dress like I'm 90 years old and go sit and listen to awful music and work in the nursery. If he, at least I get to go to heaven. My God have mercy. He's better than that. There was, if you ever find his best, it'll be the pearl of great price that you give up everything in the world for. It's what you're looking for. He made your heart like this. And now I don't want to show you the great scripture from Psalm on this. Turn me to Psalm 37, 4. I want you to, this to be the verse you meditate on for a few weeks. I just want you to chew on it. Let it roll around in your spirit like a marble in a shoebox. That's what meditation is. When you just think on something and you dwell on it and you dwell on it. 
I want you to look at this one verse right here I'm going to give you. As a matter of fact, let's memorize this verse. I want you to memorize this verse. I want you to look at it. I want you to think about it. If this verse is true, you tell me what you're looking for. The great verse, Psalm 37, 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you what? He will. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, listen to me, dear ones, who created your heart? He created your heart. He is the only one that can delight it. He's the only one that can really fulfill the desires of your heart. Tell me where, tell me where what everybody's looking for right here is at. The answer's in that verse. It, it is, he's the one that can give you what your heart's looking for. Have you ever done this before? There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end result's a train wreck. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 12. How many of you have ever got into something you thought this is it? And then a little while later, you thought this ain't nothing. Amen. This is a heartache and a headache. There was God is the only one who can deliver what he promises. And you have an unholy enemy that can make it look so good and then laugh at you and say, I lied. He made it look so good to Eve and it ruined everything. And she said, you lied to me. And he said, yeah, yeah. that's why they called me liar. There's a liar on the loose in the land today. This is, he is the only one that can satisfy your soul. Really bring true meaning to your heart. And uh, tell me what good fathers like to do. I should have read verse 32 of Luke 12 to you where it said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Listen to the next verse. Have no fear, little flock. It is your father's joy to give you his kingdom. Yes. Yes. He loves to give you the desires of your heart. And so you just say, man, I, I got it. Psalm 37, four is a great. I want you to meditate on that and think about it. I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I, do I really have the desires of my heart? Is my heart really fully content and happy? What does it say? All right, let me show you why. Turn one page probably. Psalm 40. Psalm 40 verse 8 says this. Boy, you talk about ruining religious people. Look at verse 8 of Psalm 40. I delight to do your will, oh my God. What's the one thing you'll enjoy above everything else on this planet? I like to fish. I like to meet with friends. I like to do a lot of things, but I'd, if I find God's plan for my life, I have found what I love to do. I delight to do your will. Let me tell you why I delight. What's the rest of that verse say? Your law, your law means plans. It don't mean 10 commandments. Your plans are what? They're in my heart. You've, you've written them. God Almighty fashioned your heart to love his will more than anything on this planet. You say, well, Brother Brown, I've, I've been going to church all my life. I, honestly, I don't even like it. Going to church is not the plan of God. Yeah. Being religious is not his will. He, he sent his son here to prove that wasn't his will. Son, religion nailed him to the cross. They still do it. What does that say? I delight in the will of God because he has shaped my heart toward his will. Yes. Yes. So he's done this for me. Now, Psalm 40 verse 8 is not a could be. It is a truth. It's past tense. It's already there. So these are the great promises of his, of his will. Now, what does it say in verse eight? Your law is within my heart. How'd it get there? How, how did his, and law doesn't mean commandments here. Law here means management, plans, kingdom. The, the, what God wants for my life is the very desire of my heart. It's right here. How'd it get there? All right, we've got to turn over the new covenant to see that. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter eight. Let me show you why your heart's got what it does in it. 
I've asked no few girls, women, I'm in too. Why'd you marry him? I just, I just, you know, marriage is a big deal. Can I get a witness? If you buy a bad car, trade it in. We need to get marriage right. I, I'm, not, I'm not being a fundamentalist preacher and fussing. I hate to see people not make it. I hate to see people suffer. And I, sometimes I marry young couples and I think, honey, you don't know, but you're standing on the, you're standing on the gallows up here. And, um, and I'll ask them, why? I'm not being unkind. Why'd you marry him? And you know what they, guess what they always tell me? It looks so good to start with. And then we got married and he came out. Dear ones, only God knows down the road. And he loves you and you need to, I've told a many a girl, many, I've told boys too, you better ask God about this. Yeah. He's the only one who can see down the road. Now I told you my horrible story. It's embarrassing to tell it. I've told it for so I might as well tell it again. I'm a Christian. I've been taught a bunch of junk in church. You know, you can love God and be all messed up in the head. I still am some, but I'm getting there. And uh, I was in, in school studying to be a preacher, how not to be as case may be. And I knew it was time to get a wife. And I, I knew I needed a wife. Because every preacher needs a wife. Plus a man needs a wife. Praise God. I can't get an amen out of that. Man needs a woman. Gosh, your mother. They wonder why they have so much trouble in the Catholic church. Don't let a man get married. Make him sit in a box listen to sordid sex sins all day. And you wonder why you got problems. God have mercy. So I knew it was time for a wife. And so I, I, I'm thinking about this. And I had several in mind. I was looking at it at the time. I mean, girlfriends, not, not wives. And, uh, and I, all this thought came into my mind to show you how screwed up religion is. I really should pray about this. Seems like you'd pray about something big as a wife, wouldn't you? I mean, getting married. And then this thought came into my mind and said, no, you better not. Because if you pray about it, if you ask him and he tells you who to marry, you got to do it then. But if you pick your own, you can get mercy. Because you can get forgiveness quicker than you can permission. And I, and I start, is this stupid or what? This shows you the power of religious thinking. And you know why I didn't want to ask him about it? I was afraid he'd give me what I'd seen in some preacher's wives. <laughs> some beast that had cat eye glasses and a bouffant. Wanted to play the organ all the time. Didn't want to kiss. I thought, whew. But, you know, the word prevailed because we were Baptists. We're going to do what the Bible says whether we like it or not. So I prayed about it. And lo and behold, guess what? I got both. I got the will of God and I got exactly what my heart was looking for. I didn't know back then that he was this good. I'd been taught you do it whether you like it or not. I like it. Amen. I've liked it for 40 years. Amen. She can still kiss great after 40 years. A little slow, but we're getting there. <laughs> but it, why is this stuff in our hearts? I right, watch Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10 says this. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. You know what covenant means? This is the agreement. This is the way I work with people. This is the deal right here. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. You know what that means? You start following me and I'm going to go inside your heart. And what I want you to do, I will give you a great desire to do and a delight doing it. To write my laws on their hearts means, for instance, if I want you to be a preacher and a teacher, I'll, I'll put something inside of you that loves doing it. That's, right. That's what it means to write their law. I got my missionary buddy sitting here. You know, this chick, she's got a great personality. 
and she could be married and doing all the American stuff, yada, yada. But she goes down with the snakes on the Amazon River. Rambo would be nervous where she goes. I swear he would. I mean, and it's, and you know what? She loves it, don't you? She, she eats this stuff. Guess why? Guess why? So sad, sad. God put that in her heart. It was his will, but you see, before, he doesn't say you do it whether you like it or not. That's not the God of this book. He writes his law in your heart. He said, this is the agreement I'll make with people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put what I want you to do inside of you so that you love what I want you to do. And you say, well, how, many, how come there's so many miserable preachers and Christians? Because they hadn't found the will of God. That's so true. The church tells them what to do or yeah. somebody tells them what. Then you will love the will of God. Yes. It's yes. in your heart. Amen. The moment you're born again, he writes his will in your heart. Turn the page. Hebrews chapter 10. I think it's verse 16. Let's see. Yep. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. Hebrews 10, 16. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them in their minds. What I want them to do, I will, I will give them the joy of doing it before I ever ask them to do it. It's like he causes you to want to do what he wants you to do. And then he says, okay, let's do it. And you go, yeah. Here's the truth. If I'm born again and I walk with him, my will and his will are perfect. It's the desire of my heart. And you notice the word new covenant. Now, let me teach you something here. Why did there have to be a new covenant? You might know. Because the old covenant didn't work. Look back in Hebrews chapter 8. Let me show you something. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Hebrews 8, 6. Let's learn something wild and wonderful here. Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry. He is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. Y'all, surely y'all know there's a new covenant. We got a better covenant. All right. Verse seven, if the first covenant had been faultless, we wouldn't have needed a second covenant. Verse eight, because finding fault, there was the first covenant had a problem with it. There was a fault in the first covenant. That's why, why he said, verse eight, finding fault, the days are coming, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Not like the first covenant when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. What's the first covenant? You remember? Moses went up on a mountain. God gave, do you remember what God gave him up on that mountain? Ten Commandments. He brought those commandments back down and he said, this is the agreement between God and people. Here, it's called the first covenant. And here's the agreement. You know what the covenant was? Here it is. Keep my commandments, keep my laws, and I will bless you and be good to you. Break my commandments and you will suffer. That was the first covenant. That's expanded in Deuteronomy 28 extensively and Levitic, book of Leviticus. But the first covenant was he gave us a set of rules and said, you got to keep them for life to be good. It didn't work. Well, was there something wrong with the, as Romans chapter seven says, was there something wrong with the commandments? No. It says if there had been commandments could have given life, these would have done it. How many of you would agree America would be a better place, a wonderful place if everybody lived by the 10 commandments? Quit stealing, quit stealing people's wives, quit stabbing people, quit lying about people, and quit wishing you got what they got. But what was wrong with that covenant? There was nothing wrong with the law. What was the problem? Right here. The problem is right here. My heart is a rebel against God. And there's something, and you, listen, don't argue with me. There's something inside of all of us that wants to, we're just rebels at heart. So the first covenant, he found fault. So he made a second covenant. What's the second covenant? Instead of giving you a set of rules and tell you to keep them, I'm going to touch your heart. I'll give you a new heart. 
and I'll give you the desires of your heart and you will love doing my will. Amen. I'll change you from the inside out. Right. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. I don't give you a set of rules. Behold, I'll give you a new heart Come on. and I'll put a new spirit inside of you and I will take away that rebel heart and I'll give you a tender heart. If you're still trying to live under the Ten Commandments and trying to obey them, you're still under the first covenant. Let me make an announcement. There's a new covenant and it's better. Amen. My gosh, I was, I was raised in a fundamental church. I mean, when I got saved, went to fundamental church and you can't smoke and you can't drink and you don't, don't look at women. God have mercy, don't look at women. And I thought, well, why'd he put them down here? I'm just, I don't, this stuff don't make sense to me. And, and you just fight, fight, fight to do right. That's the old covenant. That's right. Rule keeping in your own strength. You know what the new covenant is? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's when the Spirit of God comes into your heart, changes your heart, and you go, that's what I want to do anyway. I love this stuff. See why it's called a better covenant based on better promises? And Jesus is the mediator of that new covenant. That's why he's written his law <clears throat> on, on your heart. There was how many people, even my spirit-filled friends, I can hear it, they still got a lot of the old covenant in them. If the word try is ever used by you, you're still under the old covenant. Brother, I'm trying to, you're under the old covenant. For instance, <clears throat> if you would ask me to kiss my sweetheart, since we're talking about kissing, you'd say, Brother Brian, you're really a man should kiss his wife every day. You, you should do that. And I think, crap. Fine, if that's what you want, I'll do it. I'll go home and do it every night. What do y'all think? Uh -oh. Buddy, you don't have to ask me to kiss her. You got to tell me to stop. I love kissing that woman. I mean, I can't eat them no more, but German chocolate cake, where's your cake? Son, I love, you don't have to, you don't have to, I don't have to discipline myself to eat German chocolate. I can't eat it at all now. I don't have to discipline myself. I have to discipline myself to stop. You know why? You know why? Because German chocolate cake is written on my heart. <laughs> Kissing mama's written on my heart. You say to me, Brother Brown, listen, if you love God, you'll go fishing. You need to go fishing tomorrow. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Fishing's in my heart. You, this is the will of God. I delight to do your will because you have put your will in my heart. And you said, well, how come I don't like this stuff I'm doing? Because you hadn't found his will yet. Mm. The, the message is not what is his will. Here's the message. You will love it. That's right. It is the desire of your heart. You'll love it. I had a preacher friend one time. He preached for 30 years, hated it. Mm. Hated it. Got done and, and retired and took a job in a church doing nothing but visiting shut-ins and taking care of people. And he loved it. Oh. You know what? He did what the church told him to do for 30 years. And then he found what God created him to do. Yeah. Too bad he wasted 30 years in church. Yeah. You, know, you, you would love the will of God. You know, it's, it's like, all right, I get saved. I've been in a band all my life. I've been singing and playing. I got saved and then I have to transi yeah, transition music. Got to change music when you get saved. Led Zeppelin out, all that other stuff in. <clears throat> and uh, I got rhythm. I'm one of the few white folks who got, but I got rhythm. And I, I just, I'm a dancer and I just, plus I'm emotional and I just, and so I go in the church, you know, it's time thinking, oh, they will do amazing grace, hot dog. We'll get, and I'm thinking, whoa, the only one here got any rhythm. I mean, if they'd have moved their elbow, it'd have been out of body experience. It's just, I'm like paralyzed. I think they got sprayed with plaster in them and I thought, honestly, let me tell you what, they did the music. I thought, I am such a sinner. I'm so evil. I want to move. I want to dance. I want to raise my hands to the Lord. Oh, if you raised your hands in that church, I'd oh, sure to come tell you where the bathroom was. I mean, you shouldn't do that kind of stuff. 
And I thought, I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? These people, and they're all mature saints because I'm new and they're all just behaving and God forgive me, I'm such a heathen. I want to dance right in the middle of this Christian music. Guess what? Dancing is in my heart. Now you know I'm a pagan. Psalm 150, praise the Lord with the dance. Who was God's favorite worshiper in the Bible? Quick. King David, who did what? Danced wildly before the Lord. If you're Baptist, you've got a Baptist Bible, that's not in there. You just have to, I'll read it to you out of mind. You know what I began to discover through this whole rigmarole called religion? I love what the man wants me doing. Religion cramping my style, man. I, I was cowboys in my heart. Why would you wear a coat in 90 degree heat with something tied around your neck? That don't make a lick of sense. Do you understand? Now there's some people that's in their heart. God bless you. Good. I want you to understand this. He puts his will inside of us individually. All right, I want to quote the great verse to you. This, we won't look it up for time's sake, but let me quote this. We got time. Nehemiah chapter two, verse 12. This man's got a great job in the government. He is wealthy, making a good living, comfortable life. Got him a little Beamer. Probably got a little apartments. I don't know. Got a great life. And over time, something begins to happen right here. And all of a sudden, he's not enjoying this great life anymore like he was. And he becomes troubled about something. And something's going on inside of him over something over there. And finally, he says, I, I got to change. And it all caps in verse, chapter, 12, verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 12 of Nehemiah that says this. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Guy had a great job. He had a good life. He was a good man. He was a good Jew. A good, we'd call him a Christian. He was Jewish back then. But all of a sudden, God began to turn his heart another direction. And you know what? There was, God doesn't say, go do this. He puts it right here. That's right. He puts his will right here in your heart. He, you don't hear a voice. You have a desire. Uh, listen to this great verse that we've overlooked so much in Proverbs. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord or the lamp of the Lord. God don't talk to your ear. He don't talk to your mind. He talks to your spirit. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. It's the spirit where God gives you understanding and illumination. And you put it in his heart. And all of a sudden this man says, I got to go do something. This is what God's, what he's putting in my heart to do. Now listen to me carefully. This is where a lot of Christians mess up. What he puts in my heart won't be for you. Both love God, but he's going to put different things in our hearts. Tell me to go to Amazon and eat snakes. Forget it, Jack. And some of you, if he told you to stand up here and fuss at people, you wouldn't want to do that either. But it's, he, he, all right, let me show it to you. Psalm 33. It's an individual plan just for you. Everybody's, I'm telling you, he just loves different. I don't know what in the world why we try to do this cookie cutter assembly line stuff in church. Psalm 33. Now I want you to look at these verses. And this is where he teaches that every person he wants to send in a personal direction, a personal plan for your life that won't work for anybody else. It's in Psalm 33. I want you to look at this verse with me. Psalm 33, verse 13. It says this, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the people, sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Read verse 15. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers their works. You see, he's got a lot of things he put in my heart that would, you wouldn't care nothing for. It's because they're not for you. That's right. 
and he has a custom plan in every heart for everybody to cause you to want to do things. And this is not just where you work. Heavens knows we got to get off this where you work thing, although that's important. It's everything. It's the way you deal with people. It's your personality. It's, it's everything about you is custom shaped by God. He fashions their hearts individually. It means he gives you your heart desires individually. And that's why I can't watch you or you, or I can't watch Charles Stanley. I can't learn my plan from anybody else. That's right. There's only one place I can find out his will for my life. I got to get it from him. I can't imitate other Christians. I can't pick out a guy, somebody or somebody that I really like and do what they're doing. He didn't, he didn't shape me that way. He shapes every one of you differently. And you've got to find his plan for you, the best one he's got. That's why he's, listen to Philippians 2.15. God is working. Yeah. You know, the Bible says God is working. He's working. Right. He's working in the earth today. Guess what he's doing? Let me finish Philippians 2.15. God is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. God's working in your life. If you're a believer, he's working in your life to try to do something in your life. But how does he do it? First to will and then to work. First he'll give you the desire to do it and then he'll bring it to pass. With Nehemiah, Nehemiah, all of a sudden he got a group of people on his mind. He couldn't get them off. And it got so bad he was praying for them all the time. And he said, I sat and wept for many days over their condition. And finally he put two and two together. He said, this broken heart over these people is God telling me we're going to go help them. And he'll put it in your heart like that to will and work for his good pleasure. All right. And he's going to put it inside of you now. Before we, let me close by saying this. Well, what's my part, Brother Brian? What do I have to do to find his will or get in the center of his will? Let me mention a couple things to you from scripture about, as Charles Stanley said, how do I find his will for my life? Let me mention a couple things. Well, number one, if you want to do it, that'll help. If you want to do it, it helps. Listen to me. Not because you have to. If you miss his best plans for your life, you're going to miss that on the best life possible. You don't want to miss his plans for your life. John 7, 17 is the great verse here where it says this. If any man wants to do my will, I'll make sure that he knows what it is. Yeah. You, you just decide thy will be done and then it's up to him to get it to you. But in your heart of hearts, just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't want to just get into heaven. I don't want to just not tear nothing up, Jesus. I want to see what you could do in a life totally given to you. That's your part, is to get your heart turned toward him completely and abandon your life to him and let him do that. Uh, a couple of things. I think prayer helps a lot. And I'm not talking about Lord bless grandma and bless the kid. I'm not talking about that. I'm not prayer like just get alone and, let, and talk to the man. Spend time with the man. Worship him. That great verse, Acts 13, 2 says this. As they worshiped and ministered unto the Lord, the Lord spoke to them and revealed his plans to them. That's right. Just hang, just, if you'll hang around with God, he'll talk to you about stuff. We have got in the American church, we've got to get back to hanging around with God. Amen. Got to get to know him personally. All right, I'm going to give you a little, uh, and, and listen, I want to quote again Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Listen to me. And I've heard, I've asked folks about this and I've studied this. It don't hit you like a freight train. Very seldom does it come on you in one minute. It grows gradually over time. It slowly will start to change your heart. You begin to, things will come in there. And listen, it's not one big plan. He's got a zillion things planned for you. And as you walk with him, they'll keep unfolding. Little stuff, 
The other day I got this thought came into my mind about a lady that I know. She goes to church here and to do something for her. And uh, just a little something that I knew would be real special to her. And I thought, man, that's a great idea. That, I'm going to do that. that. God, that'd be such a blessing to her. And then I stopped and thought, is that you? It was. But it was just a little something where he wanted to bless her and me. And then there's the big ones that are bigger than just doing a little something for somebody. All right, I'm going to give you three diagnostic questions that you ask to find his will. You got to look back over your life to do this. Just take some time and look back at the last five years, 10 years, 20 years. Look at yourself. Look over your life. I want you to ask three questions. These three questions will help you find the will of God, your personal plan for your life. Number one, what am I good at? What am I really good at? Just look back. Your, your history reveals his plan. Just ask yourself, what, what am I really, really good at? Um, ask me to stay in the nursery. I know that's not his will for my life. It's not his will for those children either. Just ask yourself, what are you good at? Are you good at teaching? Yes, I can't do that, brother. What are you good at? You're, uh, Rick Warren calls it the shape your gifts and abilities are the will of God screaming at you. What are you really good at? I mean, you just, you really do it well. Number two, ask this question. What do I really enjoy? I said, what's that got to do with the will of God? There's that warped thinking again. It was if, you, if he will give you the desires of your heart, just ask yourself, what, what have I done in the last five years that I enjoyed more than anything else? What do I really like to do? Of course, there's another, let me give you another question. Some folks ask, I'm not going to ask, but it's this one. If money were no issue, what would you do for the rest of your life? That's a good way to find his will. In other words, what's in your heart? I told no one what God had put in my heart to do. What do you just, what, what lights you up? Oh my goodness. Third question. What do I do that really helps people? Because he's all about people. He's all about helping people. And you need to ask those three questions. What am I really good at? What do I just love to do? And what, do, what can I do that really helps people? You answer those three questions, you'll be, you will be staring down his plans for your life. Just writing that out. You say, you mean he'd, he'd let me actually do what I want to? He created you to enjoy what you do and to, and to love his will. And uh, those three questions will help you find his plan for your life as you look back over it. Now, let me quit by saying this. When we talk about the will of God for our lives, we think of, let me tell you how crazy, how we've been warped in our thinking. We think, well, does he want me to be a plumber or a missionary? Well, he wants more than that for you. Why do we always go to vocation? There's my job is not the big part of my life. My relationship with Jesus is the big part of my life. My marriage is bigger than my job. My family's bigger than my, my friends are bigger than my job. I can get another job. I got one wife when Jesus gets back but we always think vocation. But the will of God covers every area of my life, every area of your life. I'm going to give you three or four concerning his plans for your life in the future. Number one, let me tell you his number one plan for your life. This is the reason you were created. You were created to enjoy Jesus. Amen. That's the purpose of your being. Yep. You were created to get to know Jesus and enjoy him personally as a friend. Yep. There was that the, the old Westminster Catechism got it right. The chief aim of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. You need to spend time with Jesus and get to enjoying him. You were born, it's called fellowship. 
And this book clearly teaches you were born to have fellowship with God. How terrible it would be if I never spoke with my wife. I always had somebody, well, tell her this and you tell me what she says. Preachers are good. Teachers are good. But you need to learn to talk to that man for yourself. You need your personal relationship with him. And that, that there, there is nothing your heart will desire and enjoy more than getting to know God personally and enjoying him. Let me give you the great revelation of Madonna's heart. Everybody's heart. It's in Psalm 42. Listen to what it says. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for God. My soul longs for God, for the living God. When do I get to hear his voice? That's not church. That's not religious activity. That's not serving people. That's listening to God talk to you. You say, Madonna don't want that. Yes, she does. She just don't know it. God created every human heart. And the desire of every heart as the deer longs for the water brook. I don't know if you, I've been out hunting a few times where I'd watch deer looking for water and they're panting and they're, your heart is looking for God and will never find true joy till it finds him. You were created, that's the will of God for your life. Um, I was talking with a buddy yesterday and I said, you know, we didn't marry our wives. Our wives didn't marry us so they could wash our underwear. Can I get a female witness? Is that dumb? No, it's not. That's how we think in our churches. Well, I become a Christian. Now I'm going to serve the Lord. Did he really create you just to work for him? I married, that woman married me to have a relationship with me. We got married so we could enjoy. Now, yes, there's underwear to wash. There's grass to mow. There's cars to be washed. There's kids to be raised. Yes. But we got married so we could enjoy each other. Amen. Now, yes, there are things to do in the kingdom. But I'm going to tell you something. God created you to enjoy you. Mm-hmm. So you can have a relationship with him. And if you miss that, you miss the best part. Secondly, God created you for relationships with people. Yeah. And you need to always have your antennas up saying, who is he hooking me up with? Yeah. Who is he hooking me up with? That's a pretty easy question. Who drives you nuts? That ain't them. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Then he don't want you in that relationship. Listen, to, I love Colossians 2, 3, 2 that says this, that God will knit your hearts together to certain people. I mean, you'll just get around people. You say, man, I love to be around them. They're so dear to me. I just love these folks. God's in that. Yeah. He's putting you with those people. And uh, he wants you to have relationships with people and enjoy them. In crazy Americana, we work so hard, we don't stop and enjoy relationships. We need to slow down and enjoy the people God put in our lives. I've sat with many a person that died as they died as a pastor for 40 years. Nobody has ever said to me, bring my checkbook. Nobody's ever said to me, I wish I'd have worked harder. What do they always ask for? Where's my family? Where's my family? And I've met very few people that don't look back with regret like I do and say, if I had it do over again, I'd spend more time enjoying people and less time trying to get something done. Because we were created to enjoy people. And uh, number three, and this is, I love this. He wants you to enjoy your labor. In America, we work for money. We work for prestige. You miss it. You should work for fun. He said, well, I'm in the wrong place. This is one of the craziest things. We have, we have totally destroyed the, purpose, the reason God created labor. He created us to work. He wants us to work. But what should be the number one thing about your job? Not how impressive your job is or how much money do you enjoy it. That's right. Oh, you're looking funny at me. Turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is the most profound book in the Bible, I think. From the Psalms, turn to the right. You got Psalms, Proverbs, 
Ecclesiastes, stay out of Song of Solomon, it's X-rated. Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is the most profound book in the Bible. It's the world's most successful, richest man looking back saying, I blew the whole thing. And he's saying, this is what was important and I missed it. His name's Solomon. I want you to look at these. Listen to the Lord speak about work. So we've got jobs. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. Ecclesiastes 2, 24. I watch these words. Nothing is better for a man. Dear ones, if God says nothing is better, nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This I saw was from the hand of God. You tell me what that says. There's nothing better than to eat your dinner and get you a job you really enjoy. This is God in your life. You enjoying your job and you doing something you really enjoy is God in your life. But I've had many a friend who made the mistake of getting so deep in debt they were stuck in a job they hated. What does the Bible say about debt? The borrower is a... Then you're a slave to that job. Dear ones, we have got to start handling money different in the kingdom. We've got to let him help us. Listen, it's not that it's bad. We're missing the best. Look across the page. Chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. I know that nothing is better for people than to rejoice, do good in their lives. Every man should eat and drink and in the joy, enjoy the good of his job, his labor. This is the gift of God. What's the best thing you can do? Re rejoice in your life, do good, enjoy people and get you a job you love to do and enjoy it. Amen. This is the gift of God. This is a, listen, not great big houses, nothing wrong with a big house, but you know, what I love my, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible Better to live in a 30-year-old trailer. Eat vegetables out of your garden every night where there's love and peace in that trailer than to live in a mansion and eat prime rib with a woman who's got the personality of a pit bull going through menopause. Look it up. What does Americana say to us? It doesn't matter about the relationships. Just get rich and get big. No, sir. Relationships are more important. People are more important. And that's why he, he wants you to have enjoyable labor. And let me throw one more thing in. The will of God for your life is to enjoy him, enjoy people, enjoy you. You know, I keep saying the word enjoy. I'm not making this up. Let me throw in one more. He wants you to enjoy everything he gives you. He put, he's going to put things in your life he wants you to enjoy. I remember 30 some years ago, Mike Smith's a teenager, our middle school pastor. He's a teenager. He was at my house in Siler City and I showed him this very verse and I said, look what the Lord's been talking to me about. And I remember sitting on the couch showing him that night. First Timothy 6, 17, which says this, if you're rich, don't be cocky. God gave it to you. Use it to help people. But God gives us all things richly to enjoy. He's going to put things in your heart that you'll enjoy. And I laugh, people, I pick about fishing. I'm going to tell you something. God put fishing in my heart. I don't need the fish. I can afford chicken now. It's being outdoors. But I just, I love it. I enjoy it. He put it in my heart. Now you think, I ain't touching them smelly things. Then he didn't put it in your heart. I got friends that love ballet. They do. I want to, I want to examine them, but I don't understand it, but they love it. <laughs> ballet is not bad, but Let's see, colonoscopy, ballet. I mean, what's the... I'll probably get killed for that. That just, that just means he didn't put it in my heart. They say, oh, the beauty. And I say, bunch of skinny men jumping around in the leopard. What's the deal? They say he didn't put that in my heart. Remember, he fashions their hearts individually. 
I got, I got friends that love, they're, they're artists and they love to paint. I can't even sign my name. We can read it. God put that in them. Dear ones, everything we said, well, let's get our Christianity out of the way so we can go enjoy our life. Dear ones, Jesus is the enjoyment of life. All of life. He said, Brother Brown, I laid out of church, went and enjoyed my family. You probably did the will of God for that day. We got to get off this religious versus, he is the God of life. And he's going to give you all things to enjoy. I played a guitar. I'm not going to be in a band anymore. I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. I, I played a guitar for one year. And I love it. I just enjoy it. He just put that in my heart to do. He said, why don't you get on stage and perform? He didn't put that in there. Find the plans of God for your life and the word enjoy will keep showing up over and over. So true. I delight to do your will and your plans are written all over my heart. Amen. They're, they're in there. Now, this is the great need of our lives. All right, let me quit. Sure enough, third quitting real quick. It was heaven's a gift. You believe in Jesus, you'll go to heaven. But God's best for your life's going to cost you something. Remember? kingdom of God is like a man who found something so valuable, a pearl of great price. He was willing to pay for it. And he gave up everything he had to be able to do what he said. And his best plan in life is different from being saved. There's a great picture of this in the Old Testament. Uh, when God broke his people out of bondage from Egypt. You remember that? Moses took them through the Red Sea. That's a picture of salvation. You're delivered from the taskmaster. You're free from bondage. You got to go through the Red Sea, which is a picture of the shed blood of Jesus. They were all delivered from Pharaoh, but they never got into the promised land, did they? The promised land is not heaven. The promised land is where the best God has comes to pass in your life. And, and just like that passage shows us, a lot of folks can be saved, be children of God. And he fed them. He gave them clothes. And two million of them weren't sick one time in 40 years. But that still wasn't God's best. His best was the promised land. And they didn't get in there. Well, dear ones, it'd be tragic. Now, thank God, I mean, heaven's the greatest thing you'll ever be given. What should it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Nothing as precious as eternal life. But nobody should go through hell on earth to get to heaven one day. Jesus didn't come so you could suck eggs and go to heaven one day. Jesus said, I've come that they might have eternal life and abundant life. But the abundant life only comes from signing a blank check. Dear ones, don't, don't miss his best. Don't miss his best. And he said, well, I'm afraid I won't get it right. God looks on the heart. And if in your heart of hearts, at the heart of your being, you say, thy will be done. I really want to see what you can do with this life. He'll meet you. He'll find you. He's cheering for you anyway. You just sign a blank check. Y'all know what it means, sign a blank check. Hand it over. All right, dear ones, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to sign this check, but you got to tell me what, what to, you got to tell me how to fill it in first. There's only one reason I would sign a blank check and hand it to somebody. What's that? Number one, I got to trust them. Number two, I got to know they're good. And uh, when I found out how good he was, I handed him the whole checkbook, signed him and said, don't even let me see. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell my will of God story and then I'm done. Here's my last will of God story. It's professional wrestling. It's got to do with professional wrestling. You so you know that ain't the will of God. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. I know that chick bouncing around ain't the will of God. All right. Um, professional wrestler lived right beside my best friend. Yeah, I, have I told you? I've told you all this before. I, I'm old. I can repeat stuff. This is a great picture of the will of God and finding it. The professional wrestler lived right beside my best buddy. They lived in the apartments behind the neighborhood we lived in growing up. He was two or three years older than me. We're dear friends. And uh, yeah, George Becker and Johnny Weaver, Mr. Weaver lived in the apartments right beside him. They, they were, the, they were the, you know, the big shots of that day in wrestling. 
uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. And he lived beside him there. We always thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Got a pro wrestler living right beside you in the apartment right there. And we'd see him once in a while. And so me and my buddy was out there when he was washing his Volkswagen. Hello, Volkswagen bug. We're washing that Volkswagen. And Mr. Weaver came driving up, parked his car over there about three spaces down from us. And he got out and as he went up the side, he said, boys, y'all wash mine when you get done. And went on in his apartment. And so we got done. I said, let's wash his car. And he said, we ain't got time. I said, let's wash the man's car. How many pro people do you get to wash that car? So we got there, we washed his car real good, and then we went on in for the night. We came out the next day, and he'd already left. His car wasn't there. And we got another Volkswagen, a little spoked wheel, and a $10 bill was rolled up and stuck in the spoke on that wheel. And he'd stuck that thing in there because we'd washed that car. He didn't tell us he's going to pay us. I was just doing it to tell friends I'd done it. I just wanted to show off that I'm a good guy. Christian. I was a pagan then. But that $10 bill was there. I had no idea he was going to do that for me. Well, man, you got to understand, it's 1973. That's, that's lunch, that's beer all day for two teenage boys. That's tickets at the arcade all day. I said, that's a treasure hidden in a field. Can I get a witness? We had a big time that day. Man, I didn't even mean to do it. Just accidentally found the treasure. Man, we come home that evening. As soon as we got in, I made a beeline to his door. And I knocked on the way he came to the door and I said, Mr. Weaver, I said, we got the money. Thank you. It wasn't worth that much, but thank you so much. He said, glad to help, boys. I said, uh, uh, you need your garbage carried out? <laughs> Would you like your floor vacuumed? Do you, do you need your bed sheets changed? Anything else? No, I got it. I said, well, listen, you, if you need something, you call me. <laughs> See, my mind was totally changed toward that man right there. When I found out he, how good he was to people that do, does what he says, yeah. I wanted him to say something to me. Right. Right. He says, very noble of you. Noble nothing. I wanted the cash. <laughs> I found out how good that man is to those who listen to him. Can I get a witness? Can you see the story here? Yeah. I started out as a young Christian, told you, you got to do the will of God. And I said, all right, fine, fine. I'll do it. Be a good Christian. I'll do it. Whoa. This is what I get for doing your will. Mm. Got anything else you want done? Yeah. Come on. If, you, <laughs> if you ever find out how good he is day to day, as you just abandon yourself to his will, you will say, would you please ask me to do something today? Yeah. I know how you are. I know, and I know that you pay 12 hours wages for one hour's work. You got anything you need doing today? Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, dear ones, don't fight over the will of God. Beg him for it. Right. Beg him for it and watch what he does. All right. <laughs> don't come back next week. You've got enough tonight. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you. Your word says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. You really are. You're just good. Every, every way we define that word, you are. I praise you and thank you that you didn't create us with a bad attitude and look down and say, I'll, I'll make them pay and I'll, I need somebody to work for me. Your word says we are the dear children in whom you delight. Your word says that your best will, your will for our lives is a treasure. It's hidden, but it's a treasure. You call it the pearl of great price. You call it the one thing somebody would give everything up for. I pray for every person in this room, everybody, most probably believers tonight, Wednesday night, but I pray for them. Don't be like the rebel and have to have your way. You'll be so disappointed. And don't be like the religious elder brother and just work and keep rules. You'll be so aggravating. Be like the son who bowed his head and said, whatever you say, sir, thy will be done. And found out that instead of being sent to the field, he was brought inside for a feast. And we will rejoice and we will celebrate. It is right that we be glad 
and he found out how good you were by just bowing his heart to you. Oh, Father, I praise you and thank you for your goodness. Why do, do humans fight the hand of God? I pray we'd abandon our lives at heart level and say, whatever you want, sir, thy will be done. And pray the great prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this heart, in my life, in my home, and in this house. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray, amen and amen.